I want to say a prayer for our kids uh, because it's really important. And uh, join me praying for our kids and the gospel they'll be exposed to here in just a second. Father, I thank you so much for children, and I thank you for the beautiful lesson that they are to us of the gospel. Their complete surrender and dependence is uh, a lesson that we can all learn, Father. I pray now as they go into their class, I pray for Ben and for Amanda in particular to present your gospel clearly and boldly to them and that they might be back there with open ears and open hearts to hear what you have to say to them and, and to hear and understand your gospel. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. So, this is a really cool day for me. I have to say that. Um, this morning, we will we'll dedicate uh, Addison Walton and Maxwell Brockmeyer. Um, and it's really cool because uh, two things. They've been, both of those families have been at the core of North Church. We have a lot of guests here this morning. We're just over six years old, and uh, the Waltons and the Brockmeyers were with us from the very beginning. And even more than that, um, it's actually, interestingly enough, I was talking with somebody last night, and uh, somewhere in the middle of Jeff's freshman year, uh, we were on a bus coming back from camp, or the summer of Jeff's freshman year of high school, on a, on a bus coming back from camp when I was his youth pastor. And I said to him, you're going to want you to lead, start leading worship for us, the whole youth group. And there hasn't been uh, a church that I've led, um, or a group that I've led, that Jeff hasn't led worship um, since that day. So this is a really cool, really special uh, deal. Glad to be here, man. Um, and then, uh, not only that, but we also get to baptize my nephew, Matthew, at the end um, this morning. And uh, I want to say, like, this morning is about this baby dedication, and it's about Matthew's baptism. It's about those things. Um, but that's just circumstantial. Those are the circumstances that this, is, this morning is about. But the reality of what this morning is about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and there's nothing, no more beautiful picture in my mind than dedicating a baby and, and baptizing someone that brings out the gospel and the grace of God on display. Um, scripture says that we are to the praise of the glorious grace of God. And what that means is just a big, giant billboard flashing the grace of God. And that's what is going to be in front of us this morning, the grace of God on display for everyone to see. And so I want to, want to talk, I'm, just, I'm not going to preach very long this morning, um, but I want to talk about the gospel because like, one of the things for me as, as, as we lead this church is I don't want to use like religious words and not completely define them. And the gospel is a very religious word. Now, that's not bad. That's not good. It's just a word. But when I say the gospel, I want you to know exactly what, it, what I mean when I say the gospel. And, and the gospel is on display this morning. Exactly what I mean is the fact that we are, we are broken sinners living in a broken world. And the brokenness of us rubs up against the brokenness of others. And we wind up breaking each other worse. And our world is filled with brokenness. There's hate and anger. There are earthquakes and tornadoes. And this, the world just doesn't work. And that traces all the way back to the garden when Eve ate of the fruit. And 
Her husband sat there and watched her, watched her do it. And there, the brokenness happened. There was a fracture in the way the rhythm of the world was supposed to be created. And ever since that moment, we've been hurling towards brokenness. But Jesus Christ entered into that brokenness to bring his perfection to this world, to bring hope to us. And I think never in our society is that picture more beautiful than in a child, especially in a newborn baby. That this breaking into brokenness with hope and complete dependence. See, I think that our lives are from, from birth to death are, are about moving away from dependence and towards independence, which is contrary to the gospel. So as we watch these babies dedicated today, I, w- I want you to, to look for this idea of, of dependence and surrender. And, and the, the beautiful part is, is, even in the midst of all of the brokenness that's around us, there is a hope that is very real and very present and very obvious. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's only part of the gospel. Part of the gospel that we are broken and God broke into that with the son Jesus who died on a cross so that we might be, have our sins atoned for and heal that brokenness and we might be able to be in relationship with God again. That's, that's part of the gospel. That's the part of the gospel that entitles us to presence in front of God at any time, at any time, and a ticket to heaven. There's also a part of the gospel that is really important for us to understand about how we live our lives. And we look to the life of Christ to understand that. And you're going to, at the end of it this, this morning, during the dedication, we're going to get a chance to covenant together, making really deep, sincere, profound promises to one another to live gospel-transformed lives in front of these, these children. And so that's a, that's a big deal. So what does it mean then to live a gospel-transformed life. And I want to spend most of our time this morning talking about that, what it means to live a gospel-transformed life. And we're going to do four things this morning and, and bounce around in Scripture a bit. Um, by the way, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible, um, we'd love to, to give you one. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible and would like one, just raise your hand and somebody will, will bring you a Bible. If, if not, we'll, they'll also be on the screen behind me here in just a second. Um, but I want to say uh, the first thing for us this morning is the gospel informs the way that we forgive. If we are to, living the gospel means living like Christ. And so the gospel, if we have it in us, if we have the gospel in us, it informs and predicts and changes the way that we forgive. Um, And this, we're going to kind of look at each one of these things from two kind of perspectives. One is just our lives and how we how we live our lives in light of this part of the gospel that informs the way we forgive, but also how we forgive in front of these children that we're dedicating this morning. And we'll think through those things. And parents in particular, it's vital for us to ask for forgiveness in front of our children. That's a a really big deal. And it's vital for us to forgive our children and, and be very intentional about it and not just say, I forgive you, but I forgive you and, and here's the reason why. Because Christ has first forgiven me. Let's, let's read this passage and, and get to the heart of it. There's some, there's some really, really scary stuff here. This is hard to hear and I hope that it's hard for you to hear and I hope it makes you nervous. <clears throat> Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king 
who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Get this visual picture. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. This is maybe a familiar passage to you guys. Look up at me. I want you to, want you to understand the, the reality of what's happening here. Don't let the familiarity of this passage pass you by of a man on his knees begging before his king for his life. And not just his life, but the life of his, his wife and his children. This is really like tearful, pleading, white-knuckle, gripping, like this is vital for this guy. Verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw that he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And here's the, that's a great story, but here's the really nervous part. Verse, 20, verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Seriously. This is what it means to live gospel-transformed, gospel-informed lives. It's not just... Jesus breaking into our world. It's not just Jesus breaking into our world to save us from our sin. It's Jesus breaking into our world to save us from our sin and show us how to live and how to love and how to forgive just like he did. And as we, we, we live gospel-transformed lives in front of our children, in front of our coworkers, in front of our family members, in front of those that we love, in front of those who are informed by the gospel, in front of those who are not informed by the gospel, this is absolutely important for us to understand. The gospel has to change us. Because a gospel that doesn't change us is a gospel that's not really the gospel. Let me read that verse again and let you think about what this looks like. You've been forgiven and God is now calling you to forgive. And if you don't forget, if you don't forgive, so also will my heavenly Father do to every one of you. If you not forgive your brother from your heart, the gospel's got to change us. It's got to change how we forgive. And for us, forgive your children. You're a parent here, especially a parent of young kids. Forgive them. They break something in your house acting crazy. That one hits really close to home. <laughs> it happened yesterday. 
That's why my wife was just chuckling. But seriously, and it's not about broken tables. It's not about, like, not feeding the dog your green beans. It's not about those sort of forgiveness. It's about taking an opportunity, a circumstantial opportunity, and to explain and invest the gospel in your children. Or it's about the person who sits at the cubicle next to you who's wronged you, and you know they've wronged you, and it's, and it's awkward to go to that person and say, I forgive you, and here's why. I don't have it in me, but here's why I want to forgive you. The gospel is everywhere around us, and it's begging for us to, to plant it into the lives and hearts of people. The second thing the gospel informs is the way we serve. Mark 10.45. Um, again, a familiar verse. This one's quick. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The gospel informs the way that we serve. Um, for those of you who are guests with us this morning, you now have my permission for the next minute or so to to like tune me out if you want. I'm talking now to North Church family, committed core group, North Church family. We have a desperate need in our church for service. Uh, do, you guys, do you guys know, I don't know what the numbers are today, but last week we had 19 kids in one classroom back there. We had 19 kids between the ages of, of 4 and 10. And as you can see this morning, it's getting, that problem is, is growing. We have a whole lot of kids back there and not enough people serving back there. To live gospel-transformed lives in front of these children means to serve. And I'm going to be coming. I'm going to, if you're not serving, if you're a North Church committed person chance, and you're not serving back there, you will look me in the eye in the next two weeks <laughs> and I will say to you, we need you. Will you serve, please? Um, so if you're not working back there, I'm going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to say that to you. So here's your, you, you can do one of two things. You can pray and ask God to show you where, how, what that's going to look like. Or you can avoid me. <laughs> but um, I will. I will find you. I wish I could have delivered that line a little bit better, but I'm just, I'm totally not tough. <laughs> I will find you. Uh, but to lay that silliness down, um, if the gospel is in us, it changes us, and it changes the way that we serve. And like here, here's the, the thing, and I want you to, to kind of think through, especially as we talk about these, these babies this morning, they obviously need to be served. They need their diapers changed. They need to be fed. They need their noses wiped. They need to be put down to sleep, and they need to be helped to roll over. All these things, we need to serve our children. But the thing for us to, to see in the middle of that is that opportunities to serve are all around us. And it's not just to serve. It's to plant the gospel inside of people, inside of our relationships. God Jesus did not come here to be served, but to serve. And left 
unchecked, the natural man, your natural self, is going to want to be served, not to serve. But as we examine the life of Christ and as we are changed by the service of Christ, we must understand that we are here to serve and not to be served. This is what it means to live a gospel-transformed life in our context and in particular in front of our children. The next one, the gospel informs the way that we live. Ephesians 4. Um, This is one of my favorite verses. The next two verses we'll read are are two of my favorites. Ephesians 4, 1. It says, this is Paul talking. By the way, let me give you a little history of the book of Ephesians. Paul writes the book of Ephesians to a church in a town called Ephesus. And the book of Ephesians is really like the model for how the church is to be a church. Ephesus was a baby church when it was written. Okay, here's instructions for you. The first couple of chapters are about what it means to be in Christ. And the next few chapters are about what it means to live inside of a church. And it kind of starts off with uh, chapter 4 and verse 1. Okay, this is what it means to be in Christ. Now here's how we're going to live inside the body of Christ. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of of the calling to which you have been called. So the first three chapters in Ephesians are talking about who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us, how he's changed us. By grace we have been saved, through faith, not of ourselves, but not of, it's a gift of God so that no man may boast. That's in like Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, are all about the gospel and what Christ has done for us, how he's changed us. And then now because of all of that, God is calling us in Ephesians 4, 1 to live a life worthy of that calling. And this word worthy is the Greek word axios. That Greek word axios really means of equal weight. So here's the word picture. The Greek language writes often in word pictures. Here's the word picture that we're seeing here. A scale. We have chains here, right? And then the little bowls or baskets here. And we're putting things here. And they're weighing one, one or the other. The word picture is that. So we have on one side of this scale the calling to which we've been called. It's this perfect life that Jesus Christ lived for us to die to ourselves. This is it. Over here is to live a life worthy of Christ, of equal weight to Christ. This is this Greek word axios, and God is calling us, Paul is calling us here in Ephesians 4, 1, to live a life worthy of this calling, of equal weight to the calling, which is completely impossible. We are miserable failures at Ephesians 4, 1. And the gospel says to us, when we are miserable failures, we have but one response. Fall flat on our face and beg God for his grace and his mercy. And this is what it looks like to live gospel-transformed lives in our context and gospel-transformed lives before these children. To realize that we do not have the capability to live this life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And our response to that is, God, please change me. I'm in desperate need of your grace. I'm in desperate need of your mercy. And that's not a just you and God thing. That's a you and God and your wife when you wrong her thing. It's a you and God and your children when you fail as a parent to them. It's you and your cohort. It's you in every single context that you're in. You are not able to live a life worthy of the calling, so we must 
the gospel informs us to fall on our face before God and say, forgive. And ask God to give you what's needed to live this life, life worthy of the calling. This is what it means to live gospel-transformed lives. Lastly, and this is the most beautiful one, the gospel informs the way that we love. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This verse is the gospel in one verse, and it makes my heart yearn. While we were still sinners, wretched, grotesque, earlier in Romans, it says that before Christ, our mouths were as open graves before the Lord. What that means, an open grave, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's disease in a grave. You open that casket, you open that grave, and disease is going to come out. Anyone exposed to that is going to get sick, awfully sick. Our mouths were as open graves. It also says in Romans that our, our paths lead to ruin and misery. And the word picture there is that we're, what we intend to go towards is ruin and misery. Before Christ, our mouths are as open graves, and we have the intention, our goal is ruin and misery. It also says we have the venom of asps on our lips before Christ. In the midst of all of that darkness, and you don't have to look around very hard to see there's darkness everywhere in our world. And I hope that you don't have to look around very hard to realize there is darkness inside of you. In the midst of that, Christ sent his son to die for you and to die for me, to atone for all of that darkness. The Bible says that Jesus is the light who chases the darkness away. But the beautiful part about that verse is not just that while we were sinners, Christ came to die for us. It's earlier. It says God shows his love for us. That word shows is the Greek word sunisteo. Elsewhere it's translated as demonstrated. But what it really means, the, the heart of what this word means is the place within our reach. The love of God by the life of Christ is placed within your reach. If Christ had stayed in heaven, the love of God would not be within your reach. We are dead men before Christ, unable to move, and Christ himself has put his love within our reach. I have no ability to touch that chair where it is. I need someone to bring that chair to me. I need someone to bring love to me because I cannot move. This is Christ demonstrating, showing, proving, bringing his love within our reach. And this is the gospel. And this is what it means to live gospel-transformed lives in our context and before our children. To show, to demonstrate, to place it within the reach of those around us. This is the love of God. Hear, see it, show it, taste it, feel it, own it. This is the gospel planting inside of your life. And this is what it means to live gospel-transformed lives. We're going to transition here in just a second, and we're going to put these things on display. We're going to covenant 
as a family to live gospel-transformed lives before these children. We're going to baptize Matthew, and you'll see all these things happening. You'll see symbolism happening everywhere, but I want you to know that these are all symbols and shadows of the reality and the substance that is Christ. Jesus Christ is putting before you circumstances and opportunities to seize things, to see the gospel clearly and boldly. Let's pray and witness the gospel on display. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, we thank you for your gospel. Father, you are great and mighty and wonderful and perfect. God, I pray this morning that you would change lives, Father, that you would bring some into your kingdom for the first time this morning, and you would also change the hearts of those who are and have been in your kingdom, even those who who have heard this message hundreds of times and understand the gospel clearly. Would you plant a seed of your gospel deep within each and every soul this morning? And as we partake in these opportunities to put the gospel and your grace on display, would you continue to work in our hearts and plant the gospel in our lives? God, you are beautiful. And you've seen fit to bring your son into our midst and into our presence. That the gospel might be present in our lives. And not just a ticket to heaven, Father, but a way to change who we are and how we live our lives, Father. May we love like Jesus. May we serve like Jesus. May we live like Jesus. And may we forgive like Jesus. It's by the power of your son's name that I pray. Amen. Well, at this time, we have the opportunity to dedicate Addison, Kate Walton, and Maxwell Banks, Brockmeyer. So I want to invite them uh, up here. Um, and the grandparents as well. We just kind of, kind of want each come up here on the side. And I want to ask Megan's dad um, to read some scripture for us. Okay, I'm going to read in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy six five through seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Thanks. Uh, One of the things that... um so powerful about this morning is um, not only these precious children, um, but these families that are that are represented here and the uh, the heritage that's represented here. And, and as we dedicate them to the Lord this morning, um, we've asked uh, the grandparents to pray over their families. So Wayne, I want to ask you to to come to the mic and pray o- over your family and over Addison. Father, we. Um are so blessed. We thank you for little Addison. She was prayed for many months before she got here. 
And on that day that she came, it was such a blessing. And she has been such a blessing this first year of her life. And we thank you so much. And today, Father, we as a family stand here and others, extended family all over, um, have committed to bring her up in the way that she she should go so that she would serve Jesus with all of her heart. I just pray a blessing on her today that she would learn to love Jesus early on, to sing your songs, to pray, to read the word, and that we as a family would do everything in our power to be the example of Christ before her in each day, to learn to forgive and to laugh and to forget sometimes, to learn to cry with her, to learn to rejoice with her, and Lord, that you would just continue to bless her life as uh, we give her to you today in service to you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want to ask uh, Rick, Jeff's dad, to pray over Max and his family. Father, we come to you this morning to uh, celebrate this, uh, this new life. That, that you have created. Uh, we call him Max. And he is a, uh, he's an unspeakable blessing to us. And Father, we, we know that you created Max. Um, you told Jeremiah, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And Father David said to you, All the days of my life were written in your book before one of them came to be. Father, in our humanity, it's hard for us to, uh, to comprehend that uh, before any of us were born, you, you knew us and, and you created us, perhaps even to, uh, uh, to, to eternity past. Again, we, uh, we hardly can comprehend this. But in all of this, we know that you have a plan for Max's life. You created him for your benefit and your glory. And Father, this morning, we just want to uh, lift him up to you and offer him to you that you would uh, indeed... Uh, accomplish and fulfill your plan in his life. And uh, we know, Father, that, that as parents, um, you use us to uh, help facilitate your plan in our children's lives. And I indeed uh, pray that for uh, Jeff and Megan, that uh, you would keep them close to you always and that you would enable them to uh, assist you in facilitating your plan for Max's life. And we pray a special blessing upon him, uh, that you would bless his life with with safety and health, and that uh, he would indeed grow to be the man that you've created him to be, and that you would work in and through his life to accomplish great things and your plan for his life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the grandparents to have a seat.
Well, uh, you guys are here this morning because <laughs> you you desire to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. Um, I just want to say it's a privilege to be a part of this as as a friend of you guys for man Kyle Mandy since high school <laughs> for for many years, and um, it's awesome to watch um, you guys as as people that run hard after the Lord, and and uh, and now Jeff and Megan as parents, and Kyle and Mandy as round two here, um, and so you've you've come here this morning saying we want to we want to give these kids to the Lord, and so um, we want to share uh, speak some covenant together. So I want to ask you guys, Jeff and Megan and Kyle and Mandy, do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ? as your Lord and Savior, and affirm the promises of God made to you and your children in his word, if so, say we do. And will you promise to live gospel-transformed lives before your children? Will you promise to discipline them and show them grace? Will you promise to instruct them by word and by example in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Will you promise to pray for them and teach them to pray? If so, say, we will with God's help. And we at North Church view covenant not just as a one-sided deal where they've committed their children to the Lord, um, but as a community of believers, um, we're committing to these two families to walk beside them um, in the raising of their children um, into the kingdom of God and, and in the fear of the Lord. And so um, we're going we're gonna to covenant before the Lord and b- before them now. And so if you're here and you want to commit and covenant with them, I want to invite you to stand um, as a sign of your covenant to these families. I'm going to read a couple statements um, to get, and then towards the end, um, there'll be something that, that we'll read together. Um, North Church and family, will you covenant in the presence of God and one another to live gospel-transformed lives before these children? To pray that they will in turn be transformed by the gospel. Will you covenant in the presence of God and one another to love and pray for them? to encourage them, and to help nurture them in the faith? Will you covenant to assist these parents in fulfilling their biblical responsibilities, to hold them accountable by confronting sin, to pray for them and spur them on toward love and good deeds? If so, would you read the following statement uh, with me? With joy and thanksgiving, as Christ church, with God's help, We promise to love, encourage, and support you as you follow Christ and parent your kids. Uh, Would you join me as we pray over these families? Father God, uh, we come to you this morning. And I thank you so much for, for Addison. I thank you so much for Max. God, these two lives that you've, by your grace, given to Kyle and Mandy and Jeff and Megan. And Lord, we, we surrender them to you. 
We recognize, Lord, that um, as, as they stand here before you as their parents, their desire to say, these are your children, Lord. Got to know they, they don't have it in them. God, the road ahead is a road of immense joy. But equally so, immense hardship in rearing these precious lives to know and love you. And so they recognize, we recognize that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And so I pray this morning that you would build these homes. That you would be God in these homes. For Jeff and for Kyle as they lead their wives, as they lead their kids. To give them grace. For Megan and Mandy as they be the mother to these precious children. Would you strengthen them and empower them. For Addison, would you teach her, raise her to be a sweet girl who loves you? Would you enable Kinsley to model that to her sister, to love her sister? For Max, would you raise him up as a mighty warrior? ferociously runs hard after you as a man of God. Father, thank you for these lives. They're yours. Today, forever, we dedicate them and these families unto you. Thank you for the gift of them. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.